As we uh, continue our Revelation wrap-up, turn back to Matthew 24, I was encouraged and reminded this week that the end times is one of the, if not the most debated uh, topics uh, in Christianity. There's a lot of different elements. There's the argument over uh, the millennium. There's an argument over the rapture. There's uh, arguments over the allegory and the, and the literal. Uh, there's arguments over what heaven actually is. Uh, there's a lot of arguments. Uh, there's a lot of different um, trails and, and different ways we can go. And so it, it really reminds us and reminds me just how, how diligent we must be to, uh, to God's word. A lot of the confusion comes just from a sincerity of heart when we, we want to know, we want to have more understanding. And so we, we dive deeper and, and we start asking the, the great questions that need and should be asked. Um, but then sometimes we get a little off course and, um, and we get a little denominational and we get a little more caught up in uh, kind of the team politics of of Christianity rather than just what the, the plain scripture is telling us. I was reminded this week that for the first hundred years, there really wasn't much debate. It was pretty common. Now, now think about that for a second. Before they had tape cassettes and YouTube and podcasts and, and books and, and all those things, they only had the scriptures. There wasn't a lot of confusion. Um, I, I, I think that's really interesting that the, the, the apostolic fathers, the, the old names, the origin, the Polycarp, uh, Justin Martyr, uh, these heroes of, of Christianity, uh, they, they basically clung to the scriptures. That's all they had. They didn't have libraries and libraries of, of books and and logs and logs of, of uh, sermonettes and things like that. And so uh, we go back to the scriptures and, and are trying to glean from just what, what God is trying to tell us. I'm reminded that God does not tell us every single little detail. To the secret things belong to the Lord, right? And we, and we have to humbly understand that. We, we can't comprehend everything. We're... we're, we're we're too small. We're too simple-minded. We can't handle everything, to be honest. We, we don't know what to do with all the information. Um, and so as I was studying this week, one of the things that really uh, grabbed hold of me was my kids. And just thinking about their future, uh, something I think a lot about now, which is really funny. I can remember like it was yesterday being in their shoes and I remember and maybe some of you too thinking well we're never going to get to 2000 right I mean I know how Lindsay was a little off with 1984 but no way we're making it to the year 2000 and so hey as you know the great theologian of my day Prince said party like it's 1999 right (laughs) because we're not going to make it and then there was this crazy thing, you know, that the world was going to end anyway. And um, 
So for many of us, we didn't really think we were going to be here today. I mean, we're in the year 2022. Had I thought that way, I probably wouldn't have gotten married. Why, why get married? What, what's the point? What's the point of having children? Because when I'm reading the warnings of woe to you who are, are pregnant during this time, it's like I, I thought about that. I prayed about that. I was concerned about that because that could be my wife. That could be my children. And yet here I am and my, my children have a greater chance of that than me, which gives me an even greater concern. Um, because they're my kids, and then thinking of you. And so, if I were to give parental advice, if I were to prepare you for adulthood, if I were to to get you ready, part of what I would want to do is I would want to warn you. I I would want to warn you for the, the trials and the obstacles to come, especially if I knew they were coming. If I knew they were coming, I would want to lay a groundwork for you for, for my own kids um, to warn, to, to create expectations, right expectations, reasonable expectations. Uh, this is what you should expect. So get ready, get prepared. I wouldn't warn you about things you don't need to worry about. I wouldn't create expectations for things you don't need to uh, expect. And so when we look at Revelation, we're wrapping these things up. I, I was just reminded of, of, of five, you know, five R's, you know, that, that there's a return. Christ is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Part of that is there's going to be a resurrection. The dead will rise. Uh, there's going to be a rapture. There's going to be people alive who will be uh, saved and ascend. Ultimately, there's going to be retribution for sin. Sin will be punished. Sin will be judged. And then finally, there's a a call to readiness. I keep seeing this theme recurring over and over again. Be ready. Be ready. Be ready for what? Be on alert. Um, Be ready for DEFCON 1, maximum alert. And so today we see Jesus, a summary of what Jesus says is for the end of the age. How do we know? Because that's what Matthew 24 says. So today we're going to see this summary. We're going to see it in six ways. The official uh, birth pangs, the ultimate abomination, the great tribulation, the false Christs and false prophets, the Son of Man returns, and then finally the rapture. And so how do we know that this is about the end of the age? Well, Jesus came out of the temple and was going away with his disciples and came up to a point out of the temple buildings to him. Now, the temple in this day was absolutely magnificent. The, the, the temple built by Herod had I mean, not only just a great big temple, but it had buildings, it had outhouses. I mean, it looked like the stores, you know, there's outhouses everywhere, buildings, you know, uh, building A, B, C, D. It was massive. Okay, the, the, 
the temple building was not just it was not just a building in and of itself, but really an extension of the temple. And so as they're coming out, Jesus answers them and says, Do you not see all these things? Do, do, do you see this little city within a city? And he answered them, Do you not see all these things? Truly I see you. Not one stone here shall be left upon another, which will not be torn down. So Jesus walks out of this magnificent structure and says it's all coming down. And so a little time goes by, and as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples, thinking about that statement, pondering that statement, come to him in private, come to him in that intimate moment, saying, tell us, when will these things be? When is this going to happen? Because that's a, that's a big matzo ball. The temple's coming down. When is that going to happen? Um, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign? What are, what's the sign? They want one sign. Jesus is going to give them many signs. And of the end of the age. So the question is, what is the sign of Jesus' coming back and the end of the age? And so... Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. So our first sign of the end of the age, our first sign of the end of the age, is the official birth pangs. The official birth pangs. We know that Jesus doesn't want his disciples, Jesus doesn't want us to be confused or misled. In fact, the first sign of birth pangs is there's going to be Misleaders. It's the first warning. Don't let anybody mislead you. How can you make sure that nobody deceives or misleads you? You, you got to know the word. You, you have to know the word. When, when, when you've read the Bible, even if you've read it once, then when you hear something, it's like, I don't, that doesn't sound right. I don't, I don't remember that in the Bible. You, you, you've got to know the words so that people will not be able to mislead you. There will be false teachers. We see this over and over and over again in the book of Revelations. There's going to be false teachers. There's going to be a, a deception on a level that has never, ever been seen before. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. There's going to be false Christ. We already see elements of that. We, we see in, the, in these different major religions where they have a different version of who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ is part of the faith of Islam. Jesus Christ is part of the Mormon faith. Jesus Christ is part of Jehovah's Witness. He, he's part of those faiths. He's, he's there, it's a false Jesus in their books. Some are still going to come and say, I am Jesus. I'm here. We're going to see that with the ultimate antichrist. But this isn't going to be new. Oh, we've seen small term wackos, the James Joneses of the world that proclaim themselves to be Christ. You will hear rumors of wars and wars. Now, wars and rumors of wars is interesting because 
Well, when we read Revelation, we see these things now occurring on a cataclysmic, you know, size like that of World War, and you think, well, I mean, how that that's got to take a lot of build up, a lot of time. No, it doesn't. It, it can happen real quick. It happened real fast in World War One. Happened real fast in World War Two. And we have technology nowadays and coalitions that can make it happen in split second. Uh, we're seeing wars right now. And because of that war, then the trickle effect of the rumors of more wars. We can see now even how Ukraine and Russia can turn into something that's global very, very easily. For many reasons, not just one. We see that nation will rise against nation. Nation will rise against nation. Civil war. Do, do you know in the last year and a half, what one of the conversation topics politically has become in America is civil war? Not civil war, civil unrest, because there's this great divide. Well, what comes next when you just can't agree on anything anymore? When everything becomes not just political, but polarizing political. I mean, I, I fear that if there was such a thing as west of the Mississippi, everybody was Republican, and east of the Mississippi, everybody was Democrat, that we would already be in civil war that there would already be a fed up of we're we're not following this whether it's a mask a vaccine gas price whatever we're, we're seeing how easy nation can rise against nation and we're seeing this all over the world turn the tv on and take a look at australia peace loving little nation go ask the truckers in canada what's going on over there we're seeing internal disputes all over the world. Kingdom against kingdom. That's essentially what you're seeing with even with Ukraine and Russia. They're, they're brothers and sisters. This is why, why the people of Ukraine and, and, the, and Russian citizens are protesting because they're like, this, we're the same. This is, we're the same kingdom. Earthquakes. These are earthquakes that cause death and destruction. We come from Southern California. Southern California, you pay a little bit more attention to earthquakes because like big ones happen all the time and every now and then they're in the newspaper. But you, you know, you have this, this place where I grew up in Glendale right next to it is Caltech and they actually monitor earthquakes and there's earthquakes happening all the time, all the time. We, we just only keep track of like the big ones, but big ones, <coughs> are coming famines what happens when famines come i mean it's easy to read and we just roll right past it. Oh, yeah there's gonna be famines no big deal um yeah that's when there's you know food shortages hunger people die people panic <coughs> they could be caused by many things could be weather uh we've seen even now it could be caused by you know uh, a virus and the ramifications of that could be caused by chain supply could be caused by just about anything it's actually easier than just even a swarm of grasshoppers well 
we see here in verse 9, <coughs> we see in verse 9, one of our first little markers of, of one of our big questions. Will we be there? <coughs> then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you and you will be hated by all nations on account of my name. Now, our first question here is, well, is this just being written to the disciples? So the you is you guys? Or is this again one of those double conundrums of the Bible speaking to literal people in time and also speaking to the future? Well, it's, it's both. It's the disciples and it's the future. And so when we look at this, we have to take special notice because the you then becomes Christians, the you becomes believers. And part of the beginning of the birth pangs of the end of the age, because that's the question. The question is, that, hey, Jesus, what happens to us, the disciples? The question is, what happens at the end? What's the end game here? The end game is they will deliver you to tribulation. Well, is this just trials? And, you know, we, we studied this, you know, last couple of weeks with, you know, tribulations, trials, or is this the tribulation? Well, an indicator here is they will kill you. Well, that's pretty severe. That's not just, you know, losing your job. And you will be hated by all nations on account of my name. Are we seeing an escalation of, of not just passive aggressiveness against Christianity, but a hatred for Christians? That's going to be the rally cry of the world is going to be anchored by hating the Christians. Not that Christians have ever been blamed for anything before. And at that time, at that time, many will fall away. Again, this is not to the disciples. Many will fall away and will deliver up one another. Did you, did you catch that? During this time, many are going to fall away and turn in one another. That's frightening. Again, we've seen things like that happen. Ask the, not just the, the Jews during World War II, but ask anybody who was in alignment with helping to save them. Like the Ten Booms, not Jews. But being in alignment, people delivered them up. Turned them in. So-called Christians are going to turn each other in and hate one another. Verse 11, and many false prophets, not just the false prophet, but many false teachers, many false prophets are going to now rise and escalate. And we're seeing more and more of that. Used to be that, you know, there were a couple like charlatans that we'd all kind of, uh, we know that guy, we know he's bad. Now they're, you can't even keep track of how many they are. This is why I recommend just stay away from YouTube. There's just too many to, to even keep track of. 
Many false prophets will arise. What's the point? To mislead many. To mislead who? Non-believers? No, believers. This is a warning to believers. This is a warning to not be misled. Verse 12, and because lawlessness will increase, lawlessness is going to increase. I'm not sure when that's going to happen, <laughs> but it's going to be bad. The result of that is most people's love is going to grow cold. People are going to lose heart. When you look around and you see law and order not being upheld, especially when you think you're a part of a great country that upholds law and order and you see it falling apart where there's just riots in the streets, when there's crime all over, when the police arrest people and then they just walk right out the door and you have district attorneys and major cities just not prosecuting. Uh, that's an increase in lawlessness, which then has a result of people just become cold. They, they lose heart. They see that they lose faith. Their heart grows cold and apathetic. It's a warning. We, so we see in our first sign of the end of the age is these official birth pangs. And, and we, we see them as warnings to believers, to, to Christians. It's a picture of desperate times. But there's encouragement. Verse 13, but the one who endures to the end, he shall be saved. Who's the one? To, to the Christians who endure to the end, they will be saved. How do we know they're Christians? Because they're saved. That's right. People who are saved are Christians. The ones who endure, verse 9, from the tribulation, who endure through the end of this killing and this hatred and this falling away and this cold-heartedness, the ones who endure, they shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world for a witness to all the nations. And then the end shall come. So the end end is going to come when all the nations have been preached the gospel and it, and it endures till the last possible second. Then the end of the age will be done. When God saves the last person, then the end of the age will be done. Well, the second sign of the end of the age is this ultimate abomination. Verse 15, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, not just abominations, right? We've seen abominations, rebellion, sinful activities, idolatry, paganism, um, but this is the abomination of desolation, which was described in, in the book of Daniel, Daniel 9.27. This is the, the abomination of, revela of, uh, of uh, desolation that we see in Revelation 13, where, where there's going to be one who's going to sit on the throne in the temple and proclaim himself as God and demand worship and people will worship. 
When, when, when that happens, so when you see that, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, verse 15, standing in the holy place, who's allowed in the holy of holies? Only the high priest once here. That is the place where God sits, right? Then let those, then the warning is, this is the abomination, then the warning is, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, let him who's on the housetop not go down. Where is he going to go if he doesn't go down? This is a picture, right? There's nowhere to go. It's over. And let him who's in the field not turn back. But woe to those who are with child and those who nursed babes in those days. But pray that your flight may not be in the winter or in the Sabbath. For then there will be a great tribulation. So first we're going to see this, uh, the second sign of the end of the age, the, the abomination of desolation. And again, who is this warning to? Who's, the, who, who's being warned here? People who've never read the Bible? People who've never been in the church? Um, the context here seems to indicate that this is a warning to believers, people who know their scriptures, people who've read the book of Daniel, right? When you see this, because you've been warned, when you were in church on, May th on March 13th, 2022, when you see this, Christians have read it. Christians have been warned, not unbelievers, not non-Christians. That's when it's time to flee. Why? Because here we see the third sign of the end of the age, which is the great tribulation. Not a tribulation, not a trial, not a bad time, not some little wrath, not the wrath. It's the great tribulation. Verse 21. For then there will be a great tribula tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever shall be. This is it. Nothing like this has ever happened before, will never happen again. And unless those days have been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days shall be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, behold, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I have told you, in advance, if therefore they say to you, behold, he is in the wilderness, do not go forth. Behold, he is in the inner room. Do not believe him. For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes even on the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So <clears throat> we see again that here's this, this warning of this great tribulation. that's going to come and we see that there's a, a sign of tribulation for not just those who are being punished and persecuted, but even those verse 22 that are called the elect. In fact, we know this because 
the days would have kept going. The punishment would have kept going. The judgment would have kept going if not for the elect, if not for the sake of the elect. What else does this mean? If the elect are not there, if there's no Christians there, you've got a lot of explaining to do, Lucy. Because the great tribulation, verse 21, isn't going to stop, verse 22, until or except for the elect. Mercy on the elect. In fact, we goes further. There's going to be antichrists um, that are coming. So clearly the, the elect believers are part of the tribulation. And the fourth sign of the end of the age is these false Christs and false prophets. And what is their goal? What's the goal of the false Christs and the false prophets is to deceive, even if possible, first 24, the elect for, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, even possible, the elect. Behold, I have told you in advance. I have warned you. The world does not need false Christs and false prophets. It just needs to be misled. The church has false Christ. The church has false prophets. The world just needs liars and deceivers and guys with bad plans. It's the church that then requires false Christs, false prophets to be deceived. All And they're going to have great signs and wonders. Why? To mislead Christians. The, the, the point is to mislead the church. Verse 24, if possible, even the elect. That's the goal. The goal is to push this as far as it can possibly go to trick and to deceive. Not just the world, but the Christians who are there. The elect who are there. Verse 29, the fifth sign of the end of the age. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So we see here this great picture and it's just wrapped up in one real fast tight verse, but there's a lot going on in verse 29. In fact, in verse 29, just to, what we see here is one of those like great Star Wars scenes. For all those of you who grew up watching Star Wars, which is literally everybody here since it's been around since 1977. Some of you were well aged even in 1977. But you were there. You were there. I'm sure your kids watched it or somebody you know. Um what happens in Star Wars? The great scenes in Star Wars is they have all these different storylines, right? They have four or five different storylines. And then the last couple minutes is just let's wrap it all up. Let's, let's close the show and show all these different storylines coming to this great big end. Well, that's what we're seeing in verse 29. But immediately after the tribulation, after the tribulation, when is the timeline here? After the tribulation, 
the fifth sign of the end of the age, or the fourth sign, sorry, we're, 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 go we're going to see this final scene, this final scene of the Son of Man returning. And what happens? The sun darkens, Isaiah 13.10. The day of the Lord comes to punish the world, fury and burning anger, Isaiah 24.33. Then the Lord will reign, Ezekiel 32.7. The sun will darken, Joel 2.10. Uh, the day of the Lord comes, the sun and the moon darken. Amos 5.20, the day of the Lord, and Amos 8.9. In that day, Zephaniah 1.15, the judgment of the Lord, the day of trumpet and wrath. Revelation 8.12, the sun will be darkened. We, we see this throughout the scriptures that there's going to be this day that comes. This, this, this day of the Son of Man returning. And what happens? A lot of things happen. It's not just one thing. It's like Star Wars. You're, you're seeing five different things are going to happen at the end. Jesus Christ will return. He is going to conquer the world. He is going to be on a white charger. He is going to have victory. He is going to gather, gather. He is going to Rapture, verse 29, but immediately after the tribulation, those days, the sun and the moon will be darkened and the moon and the sky will not give light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. The king comes back and then the sign of the son of man will appear in the sky and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. Why are the tribes of the earth mourning when Jesus comes back? Because they hate him. This is not a good day for them. This is a terrible day. They just lost. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet and they will gather his elect. Jesus comes back after the tribulation, verse 29, to gather his elect from where? The four winds from one end of the sky to the other. From all, Jesus gathers all his elect when he comes back. Again, part of that final Star Wars season, Jesus has victory over the earth. He comes back and he gathers all of those whom he has elected and chosen. Christians, Christians. That then becomes the sixth and final sign of the end of the age is this great trumpet, this great gathering of the elect. First Corinthians 15 reminded us that there was going to be this rapture that not all are going to sleep. Not all are going to die. Last week, we had a great time of just almost reading 1st and 2nd Thess Thessalonians. We read all of 1st Thessalonians and summarize 2nd Thessalonians. Why do we do that? So that we could come to today and understand today. We go back and look at 1st Thessalonians 4, verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed. God does not want us to be uninformed. The disciples asked Jesus the question. Jesus is answering the question. Thessalonians are going through, through their hardships and their, their persecutions. 
God does not want them to be uninformed, doesn't want us to be uninformed, brethren, about those days or those who are asleep, that you may not grieve, as do the rest who have no hope. Verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in the Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. This is very clearly an indication that at the end, when Jesus comes back, that two things are going to happen. We're going to see resurrection and rapture. You have to do a lot of mental gymnastics to separate these as two different events. Because First and Second Thessalonians very clearly are teaching us that this is the same event. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, double down, doubles down on it. There's, there's a follow-up letter to the church of Thessalonian. Uh, chapter 2, now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together with him. When Jesus Christ comes back and he gathers together, he gathers, the same thing happens at the same time. Now, we have a lot of other questions, and we'll follow up with that next week. But for now, what we're clearly seeing is that these events are, are together. Finally, we see God scooping up Christians from all over the world, all over the world, the four corners, to unite with him. So, back to one of the first questions. What's the point of warning? What's the point of preparing? What's the point of expectations if Christians are never going to be a part of it? Now, one of the difficulties we run into is, well, which Christians? Um, and again, we'll talk more about this next week because what you see in Revelation is you don't ever really see a time when there's not Christians. It still begs the question, were Christians raptured beforehand? And then immediately you got a picture of this, that Christians are raptured and there's five of some left. Hopefully, immediately, simultaneously, those people would fall on their knees, repent and get things right. And so... What do we have about a two minute gap between rapture and then millions and millions of people that are now saved again, yet again. And then we see this process throughout Revelation of people being saved. There's two great uh, witnesses. There's 144,000 people preaching the gospel. We see throughout Revelation, salvation, 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 a call to salvation, a rejection of the gospel, right? The problem that we run into is when we see this timeline as laid out by Matthew 24, uh, by Mark 13, that it's in this timeline that the rapture seems to occur at the end. 
at the end with, again, with the second coming. Last week we talked about the church doesn't get a pass from suffering. We, we looked at several verses. The church doesn't get a pass. Well, when is the church not suffered? Uh, there, some of the, the, the verses used in, in, in 1 Thessalonians and in, in Revelation 3, that there's not going to be any wrath or tribulation from the church. Really, when? So the is it the wrath? Is it the tribulation? Or is it just tribulations and wrath? The church is going to suffer. It's the mark of Christianity is to, is to suffer. We also know that nobody knows when Jesus is going to return. We, we've learned that. Um, one of the other interesting things is you can't find the mark of rapture in the book of Revelation. You don't see it. It happens. We know it happens, but it's not clear. God has left that mysterious. He's left that mysterious for a reason. He wants us ready. He wants us prepared. Why? Because for the past 2,000 years, everybody who's died, in a sense, has had their coming to Jesus meeting, and they needed to be ready. As though tribulation, as though death, as though that judgment seat was going to happen. Because it did. They died. So I would say the same thing to you today. Be ready. And that's exactly what God calls us to over and over and over again. Turn with me to Mark 13. Mark 13. It's a parallel passage here, but it gives us a, a little bit more near the end. Mark 13, <clears throat> verse 33. This is after summarizing uh, the same questions with the disciples after going over the fig tree. Verse 33, take heed. So here's your response. This is your response to hearing this, to reading this. Take heed. Keep on alert. Tell me if you hear uh, any, any, anything that, that comes up often. Take heed. Keep on alert, for you do not know when the appointed time is. It is like a man... Oh, away on a journey who upon leaving his house and putting his slaves in charge, assigning to each one his task, also commanded the doorkeeper to stay alert. Therefore, be on alert, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening or at midnight, at the cocking crowing or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, be on alert. Do you guys notice anything there? In five verses, be on alert, keep on alert, be on alert, be on alert, be on alert. Whether you realize it or not, it is DEFCON 1. Be on alert. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 says, stand firm, stand firm in the word of God, in the traditions that you've been taught. So our response to this is to be on alert, to stand firm. A couple things to take note. Second Peter 2.9 reminds us that the Lord knows how to rescue the godly. The Lord knows how 
to rescue the godly. If Christians, if the elect are a part of the tribulation scene, we can see, even through Matthew 24, we see a protection that they don't fall away, that they don't grow cold, that, that they are not deceived. Close, push to the limit, to the brink, attempted to be misled, but not the elect. The elect do not fall. The elect do not give in. The elect do not lose. And we know that the Lord knows how to rescue the godly. Do Christians go through life tribulations? Always have, always will. God will protect. One of the things that's really been haunting me in this study of Revelation is, I've mentioned it to a couple of you, but is Revelation 21.8. Revelation 21.8 encouraged us this way. But for the cowardly and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the immoral persons and the sorcerers and the idolaters and the liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So the new heaven and the new earth has kind of this ending summary of, well, these are the type of characters that end up in hell, right? Those who are unbelieving, abominable, murderers, immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and haters. But it begins with this first statement, the cowardly. And, and that's what's been haunting me. Cowards spend eternity in hell. The cowardly spend eternity in hell. What does that mean? That means that the brave, that means that those who put their confidence their hope in Christ, that Christ is the anchor of their soul, they're the ones who are saved. They're the ones who, who have the confidence of eternal salvation. But not so the cowardly. We cannot be cowards. You can be a lot of things. Don't be a coward. We're warned about a lot of things. We make a big deal about a lot of things, about adultery, right? About, you know, the, the sexual sins, about murder. We don't talk a lot about being a Christian coward. I don't want to be a Christian coward. I, I, want, to, I want to explore that more because I, I don't want to be cowardly. Can it be that during this great time of tribulation, that none of us want any part of, that that's part of the time and place where you cannot be a coward. You cannot take the mark. And if you don't take it, you're going to suffer. Some will be beheaded, right? It will not be easy. It will be a hard path. We, we, we've seen a little glimpse of, you know what? If you don't have a passport, what, you can't go shopping, you can't eat, you can't work? We didn't even get there. And look how, how much problem it's caused. Let, let, let's get there where there is a mark of the beast, where the Antichrist is ruling, where there is false prophets, where the world is worshiping the beast. 
That is a time of tribulation where you cannot be cowardly. Is that a warning for that? Possibly. We must be courageous. We, we saw a movie last night as a family called Courageous, and uh, it's a different bit of a topic, but it was a, a reminder. And as I was listening to the song at the end, you know, we are called to be courageous. And in so many different ways, we're ca Christian cowards in our business ethics, in, in our evangelism, in you know, all the way to the point where I've read a lot of different commentaries, a lot of different books on the end times. And honestly, one of the main reasons and explanations for why Christians will not be in the tribulation is because they don't want to be. I'm dead serious. Now, there's some good reasons why in, in some, this is why we've been debating this for, for a long time. But that's not, one, that's not a good reason. Just because you don't like the idea of suffering, you don't want to suffer. Um, so we have to wrestle with putting all of this together and we'll do that kind of finally next week. Let's pray. Lord, help us to be courageous, especially if the end of the age includes Christians going through tribulation. Lord, thank you for giving us the signs so that we understand what the birth pains are, so that we understand what is meant by the abomination of desolation, so that we know what is going to take place during the great tribulation, the warning for false Christs and prophets. Lord, we know that our hope is in you. You will return. You will resurrect those who are asleep and dead. You will rapture those who are still alive. And there is an eternity in heaven to be spent with you as a prize. What a gift, Lord. You are the anchor of our soul. For that we give thanks. Amen.